the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SR. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park and 910 WTWD Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Or consider how many Christians attend churches where all they basically hear is spiritual sounding and practical sounding fluff. It's not the gospel of Jesus. They may hear how Jesus can help them achieve financial success or enable them to live according to family values or cope in a world filled with stress and pressure and all kinds of other practical issues like that. But that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is how a sinner can be justified in God's holy presence and sight. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In this series of lessons, Pastor Steve is taking us through the book of Galatians. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the young churches in Galatia to combat false teachers who had come into the church. These false teachers told them that in order to be followers of Christ, the Gentile Christians needed to keep the Jewish law. Scholars say that Paul wrote Galatians shortly after the Jerusalem Council of 49 A.D., so not all of the New Testament was written yet. We have the completed New Testament, so we should be safe from false teachers, right? Wrong. There are probably more false teachers than ever these days. If you can, open your Bible to Galatians chapter 1. Here's Pastor Steve. Here's the way noted Bible teacher and author John Stott explains what the false teachers must have been saying that so beguiled the Galatians. He writes, they did not deny that you must believe in Jesus for salvation, but stress that you must be circumcised and keep the laws well. In other words, you must let Moses finish what Christ has begun. Or rather, you yourself must finish by your obedience to the law what Christ has begun. You must add your works to the work of Christ. You must finish Christ's unfinished work. Folks, that's exactly what they were saying. Exactly. Now, if you wonder how the Galatians could have fallen for such error, such error, then consider just how convincing their arguments, the arguments by the Judaizers must have been. I don't know exactly what they said to them, but I can imagine they said something like this. Listen, you're Gentiles. We're Jewish. We know what we're talking about. Our people have been been worshiping the one true God for thousands of years. You guys have just come out of paganism. What do you know? We know far more than you. Yes, Jesus came to die for our sins. Yes, he's the promised Messiah. That's all good. That's not enough to save you eternally. Listen, if you really want the full gospel, then you need to believe in Christ as well as become Jewish by being circumcised. This is the way it's always been. Always been for Gentiles who want to have a place with the Jewish people. See, the Galatians were deceived, deceived into deserting the Lord by some very plausible-sounding arguments by men who spoke, note this, just enough 
biblical truth to sound believable and credible, and these Christians fell for it. Now, would we have responded any differently to men like the Judaizers than they did? I hope so, but none of us can be so certain of that because there are enough Christians today who have no discernment in distinguishing between the true gospel of grace in Christ and false gospels that claim to be preaching the Bible, enough Christians who lack discernment to keep us on our toes, to keep us from saying it can never happen to me, because it does happen to Christians who gravitate to, to groups that promote self and human effort as the way to find fulfillment and happiness. Listen, just in case you might be thinking that you're different than the Galatians because they obviously were not real Christians and you are and the Spirit of God lives in you so you would be far more discerning than they, then think again. As we go through this letter, we're going to see the Apostle Paul considered the Galatians to be real Christians. Real Christians. Let me show you this. Two things we know that indicate that. Number one, he speaks of the Holy Spirit working in their lives and even being in them in the way he is in all Christians. Look at chapter 3, for example, verse 3. He said, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? He speaks about the beginning days of their Christian experience. The Spirit of God revealed Christ to you, and you began to to grow. He says the same thing in in verse 5. So then, does he who provide you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith? He, provide, he said he provided the Spirit for you. Then look at chapter 4, verse 6. I think this, this just nails it. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. He said, you're sons of God. He sent forth the Spirit into your hearts. You cry, Abba, Father, because you're a true believer. He also, folks, refers to these Galatians as brethren. Throughout the letter, he calls them brethren. Chapter 1, verse 11, chapter 3, verse 15, chapter 4, verse 12, chapter 4, verse 31, chapter 5, verse 13. Brethren means exactly that. You're part of the family. You're believers. It's a synonym for being a believer. Now, here's something important to understand. If, we're, if we are going to grasp what was going on, what was really taking place in the hearts and in the actions of the Galatians. Notice once again, verse 6. Paul says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him. Now, notice that this action of deserting is in the present tense. should be in the present tense in your translations, English translations. It's in the present tense in the Greek text, which simply means that they were only in the process of defecting from law to grace. It wasn't an accomplished fact yet. In other words, they were presently engaged in deserting God and the gospel, but they hadn't fully and hadn't carried out fully and finished this desertion, which means there was still hope for them. And that's why Paul's writing to them. There's still hope for them. He considers them brethren, and he wants them to turn around and get back to the gospel. So for the most part, the Galatians then were true believers. True believers who were only in the process of falling for serious error. But what that reveals to you, what it reveals to me, 
is that as believers in Christ, we are just as capable of being deceived by error as they were. We have an enemy called Satan. He's always the source of false teaching. We're just as capable of being deceived by errors as they were. And don't think then that it can't happen to you. Consider these situations. Consider how many Christians love the preaching ministry of men like Joel Osteen, who never mentioned sin, never, and the need to forsake sin, to repent, and to turn to Christ to be saved. Listen, there is no gospel when sin isn't mentioned. Because there is no need for Christ's death to save you if there's no sin to be saved from. So what message is that? It's not the gospel. Yet there are many Christians who love that kind of stuff. Or consider this. Over the last few years, there have been a number of prominent Christians, leaders of evangelical churches and and schools and movements who have signed certain documents stating that Roman Catholics are our brothers and sisters in Christ because they say we are in agreement with them on the essence of Christianity, which is justification by faith in Christ. That's not true. That's not true. We are not in agreement with them. Roman Catholicism, as I read to you last week, denies justification by faith alone. How do they get around this? They speak In words like that, justification by faith, they never add the word alone, purposely. Because what they mean by justification by faith is not what the Bible means by justification by faith. When the Bible speaks of justification by faith, it means by faith alone in Christ. Otherwise, it's it's just muddying the waters. And yet, if so many prominent Christian evangelical leaders can be that gullible as to embrace that error. And don't think that you and I are immune to that either. Or consider how many Christians attend churches where all they basically hear is spiritual sounding and practical sounding fluff. It's not the gospel of Jesus. They may hear how Jesus can help them achieve financial success or enable them to live according to family values or cope in a world filled with stress and pressure and all kinds of other practical issues like that. But that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is how a sinner can be justified in God's holy presence and sight. The other stuff, it's just fluff. It's fluff that that tickles people's ears makes them feel good about themselves, builds up their self-esteem. But churches that often major on stuff like that are just usually, not always, but they're, they're often filled with people, many who really do know Christ as their Savior, but for some reason, they're attracted to that kind of teaching, and they think it's biblical, just as the Galatians were attracted to the legalism of the Judaizers who called their message of salvation by human effort the gospel. But as Paul goes on to say in verse 7 and following, it was not the real gospel, and the Judaizers who preached it were not real Christians. So Paul is about now to move on to explain what the Galatians were being exposed to and who was exposing them to it as he tells them a second truth about the seriousness of abandoning the gospel. The first one is this, you're deserting God. That's how serious it is. You're deserting God. 
Now he tells them, here's another serious problem you're, you're going through. You, these Judaizers are distorting the gospel, the one true gospel. Verse 7, he says, which is really not another. It means it's really not another gospel. They say it is, but it's not. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, Paul explains that what the Judaizers had been teaching them about adding the works of the law to faith for salvation was not another gospel. Because, listen, he said, God has one gospel. He has one gospel, one message. And that message is the message of salvation through faith alone in his son's atonement. There's no other gospel coming. Islam is not a new revelation from God. It is not the gospel. Paul said, there's only one gospel. It's the one I preach to you. Now, these men may have, and they apparently did, they called their message the gospel, but it was only the gospel in their eyes, not in God's sight. See, far from giving them good news, that's what the gospel means, good news. The Judaizers were not giving them good news. They were giving them their brand of doctrine, which as Paul said, it's disturbing you. It's bothering you. Instead of helping the Galatians, they were being disturbed, troubled by what they were teaching them. It's interesting, the word that is translated disturbing means to shake back and forth. That's the meaning of the word, shake back and forth. And the thought here is that the false teachers were troubling the Galatians by shaking up their theological foundations and confusing them. What would they have been confused about? Number one, they caused them to have suspicions about Paul. They said, Paul's not a true apostle. I don't know why you're listening to him. He's not one of the 12. They also would have cast doubts upon the message that Paul preached to them. That message was very specific. Salvation is through faith alone, in Christ alone. The very specific way that they were causing such trouble, Paul tells us in verse 7, he said, they are distorting the gospel. He writes, they want to distort the gospel of, of Christ. thought here is that's what they're, they're doing. Now, this is very, very vivid. What, is, what does Paul mean by distorting? Well, this Greek word that is translated distort has an important meaning behind it. It means to reverse something, to turn something into just its opposite. In other words, it means to pervert it, to pervert it. That'd be a good translation. They are perverting the gospel. It's exactly what the false teachers were doing. By teaching that salvation came by human effort, in addition to faith in Christ, they were perverting it, turning it upside down, making it into something that was just its opposite. That's exactly what what law does to grace. It reverses the character of grace. Add law to grace and you don't have grace. Grace is God's favor shown to us in Christ apart from human effort. Let me show you this. Galatians chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. Paul said, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, he means if you receive it thinking that'll save you, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. No benefit at all. It's Christ alone or it's not Christ at all. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he's under obligation to keep the whole law. You think you can keep just one part? You got to keep all of it if you think you're going to be saved by that. So it's a serious thing that was going on here. Very serious. 
Very, very serious. See, to believe, let's say, that baptism or any kind of religious performance saves you, it's not a secondary issue. It's to corrupt, it's to pervert the one true gospel, which is precisely the point that Paul is making to the Galatians. There is no other gospel message than the one that I preached to you when I was with you a few years ago. And to prove his point that there is only one gospel message, the one about salvation by faith alone, Paul proceeds to paint indeed a very strange sounding scenario in verse eight. He writes, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. To drive home the point that there's only one gospel, there's no new revelation coming, and this gospel will never be changed, never be altered, Paul says this. He says, what if someday I were to return to Galatia, I came back to you in your region of the world with a different message than the one I preached to you a few years ago. In fact, he says, what if a holy angel from God came to you and preached a message contrary to the message of faith in Christ that I originally preached to you? What if that happens? Paul says, if either of these situations were ever to take place, if he or an angel from heaven preached a new gospel to them contrary to what he first preached to them, he said, then we are to be accursed if that ever happened. But watch this. Paul's only being hypothetical in verse 8 because he knows he's not, he's not coming back to them with a new gospel. He's never changing his gospel message. And he certainly knows that there's no holy angel from God who's going to give a new gospel. It's not like an angel is going to show up and say, wait, got something new from the throne of God. He said, no, that, that's never going to happen. However, in verse 9, Paul turns from the hypothetical to what was actually happening in Galatia. He says in verse 9, as we have said before, so say I again now, if any man, notice this, not might preach, but is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying that the Judaizers who were presently preaching to them salvation by law are damned by God. This word accursed is a translation of, of the word anathema. It means to be under a divine curse. Literally means to be set aside by God for destruction. In other words, those who preach and believe that salvation comes by human effort, Paul says, they are damned by God to hell forever. Now, understand this. Paul's not being vindictive here. He is not displaying an outburst of personal anger because they dared to criticize him as an apostle. It's not it at all. He's just speaking the truth. Listen, how could this not be the case? If salvation is by faith alone and there's no other message that saves one's soul, then those who reject salvation by faith in Christ, like the Judaizers, are doomed to hell where they will suffer the punishment of divine wrath forever. That's just common sense. If this is the only gospel and they reject it, they're doomed. That's what he says. It doesn't have to be, though, your experience. That's the good news. It doesn't have to be your experience. You can be rescued from God's wrath and hell by that one gospel. The one gospel that's been delivered already, that is that Christ was punished in the place of sinners. If you know you're a sinner and you are, 
if you'll turn from your sin of running your own life and turn to Jesus Christ and believe that his death was on behalf of you and your sins, if you believe that, that Christ came into this world to save sinners and you trust him alone, you're banking your eternal destiny on his death for you and only his death for you alone without any human effort on your part. And the Bible says you're saved, delivered, rescued from hell itself. It's only on the basis of faith. So the question is this, have you ever repented? Have you turned from running your own life or being the captain of your, of your world? Have you repented? Have you trusted Christ, his death on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, for your salvation? That's really the issue. Or are you trusting in some way in yourselves? Even though you might believe Jesus died for you, are you trusting in yourselves to make it to heaven? If so, stop it. Trust Christ alone. So how can we keep from being deceived like the Galatians were about salvation when so many of our brethren are deceived today? No discernment. The answer is that we have to make sure that we keep reminding ourselves of what is the pure gospel. And one of the ways we do this is by observing the Lord's Supper. Thank God for the Lord's Supper. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper so that we would remember him. That's what it's about. He said, do this in remembrance of me. That's the purpose of this. We want to make sure our hearts are clean before him, certainly. We want to make sure that we're not holding any grudges against anybody, that we have forgiven others, even as we've been forgiven. We want to make sure that we have repented and confessed our sin as far as what we're aware of. And then we come to the Lord's table and we remember, taking the little piece of bread, we remember. This is a symbol causing us to remember that our Savior died to pay for our sins. We take the cup as a way of reminding ourselves his blood was shed so that we would be forgiven. That's what this is about. This is not an add-on to our services. This, the Lord's Supper, is a command of Jesus Christ to remember him. As we remember him in his death, we'll, we'll not be prone to wander away from the gospel. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you that we can study these verses and remind ourselves what is the gospel. Lord, we pray you'll protect us from ever straying from the truth. Help us to be solidly, solidly stuck on the gospel. And I pray for anyone here, Lord, who doesn't know Christ. They may be religious. They may have a background of church experience, but they never have really trusted you. Open their hearts, Lord, to the gospel. Reveal your son to them as only you can. We pray, Lord, that some would be born again and would enter into the rest of salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The communion service is a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us on that cross. As the old song goes, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Have you made that decision yet to put your full confidence in him to make the full payment for your sin? If you've already done so, I hope you'll tell someone about it soon. 
In fact, if you'd like to tell us, we would be thrilled. Call us at 727-239-0306. Or call if you have questions about your spiritual life. That's 727-239-0306. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has a special place in his heart for those who cannot see to read their Bibles. So I like to remind our listeners from time to time that if you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and want a free audio Bible for your digital player, call 800-838-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com. Verse by Verse is listener supported. If you're among those generous people keeping us on the air, thank you very much. If you'd like to help fund Verse by Verse, go to the giving page on our website, versebyverseradio.org. Also on the website, we have a message archive page where you can access hundreds of previous broadcasts. Once more, the website is versebyverseradio.org. When the false teachers in Galatia attacked Paul's apostolic authority, they used an argument that, if you didn't know any better, sounded pretty strong. Paul was not one of the original twelve apostles. But that does not mean that the Lord didn't personally and miraculously choose him for that role. After all, the other apostles chose Matthias to replace Judas by drawing straws. I think the choice of Paul makes a lot more sense. This is Jerry Peterson. Tune in next time to Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff moves our study of Galatians on to Paul's powerful defense of his apostleship. Long before the pain, God was there. Long before the struggle, God was there. Someone want to ask somebody that was going through a trial, says, where was God when the tragedy happened? The answer was the same place he was when it was all good. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.